Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and as usual, sitting across from me, I have senior writer Jonathan Strickland. And I'm more than meets the eye. Okay. So, <laughs> Chris and I, just moments ago, uh, were sitting here in front of the microphones talking about Internet Relay Chat. So that podcast may or may not have, have published by the time you hear this. But during that, we said, you know, we should really talk about another really important part of the Internet that predates the World Wide Web. Um, but it, it's still around, and uh, it's still playing a, a role. It's maybe not nearly as, as uh, big a role as it used to. But something that uh, that we felt needs to be addressed in, in an episode. Do you want to tell them what it is? Yes. Oh, now? Yeah. 
Usenet. Usenet. Yeah, as a, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things that we mentioned in the other podcast, um, and in several of the podcasts we've had in the past, is that uh, not all the traffic on the Internet goes from place to place using the same method. Right. Um, you have email, you have the web, um, you have file transfer protocol. Um, but in uh, in the case of Usenet, it has its own protocol to deliver uh, news files, or at least that's what it was used for initially. Yeah, it's kind of... Um it's funny because the the terms that were used to kind of define what Usenet was early on stuck around, even when you might argue that it's more like a message board, like an old. Uh, if you go to a, a website that has a message board, a lot of the message board stuff that you'll see on there kind of owes a lot to the the early Usenet days, and uh, uh, it it relies on a. Uh, a Unix to Unix copy protocol. That was the original right, protocol right. for Usenet. So UUCP is what uh, we abbreviate that as, or acronymize. I'm just going to. I'm acronymonious. <laughs> um, but yeah, that actually that actually changed. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, because I mean, if it had just stayed Unix to Unix, then that would have really limited the usefulness of Usenet. It would have been useless net. Well, not Relative, entirely. They, relatively you know, useless net. <laughs> well, and and you can actually uh, you can actually use the web uh, for uh, for a lot of this now. So I mean, you can. Uh, there are some uses of Usenet that you really don't even need a specific client, although you can still get them. Uh, but a later a later cli- um, sorry later protocol that they developed to provide Usenet services is NNTP, or Network News Transfer Protocol. Right, right. Um, and that uh, that became the way of, of delivering messages uh, for Usenet groups. Now, uh, these are, in a way, it's kind of hard to describe a Usenet group to someone who's never seen one, but if you think about um, maybe a, a discussion board on one of your favorite websites, right. it's sort of like that. Um, the, the, there is a board where there is a topic, um, say, you know, fans of Beverly Hills 90210, for example. And people can post messages, pro or con. There are just about anything for which there is a fan on one of these uh, Usenet groups. Uh, you will find people who are trolling there posting how much they cannot stand, whatever it is that other people are a fan of. Right, and that this other thing that is probably not related to the first thing at all is obviously better. Oh, yes, yes. You know, but- so, for example, I, I, w- I might jump into the Star Trek uh, fan discussion and talk about right. how Star Wars is so much better than Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it may not even be that I believe that. It's just that I decided I wanted to stir up some trouble. So, yeah. Actually, Usenet, that's, we can get into where where uh, how, how much Usenet has contributed to the culture of the Internet. Trolls are one of the things that first started really popping up. Right around the days of Usenet. Let's let's kind of go back a bit. Let's talk about the the development of Usenet. Okay, so I'm assuming you're getting ready to mention uh, Tom Truscott and Jim Ellis, unless Who? I do it first. Oh yes, uh, those guys. Um, yeah, so they they kind of came up with this idea. This was a uh, these were two graduate students with uh, Duke University at the time, and the time mm-hmm. being 1979. Wow. And. Uh, they were thinking that they needed to update an older uh, model of of accessing information through the computer system. Um, that would be the old BBS model or bulletin board system. Yeah. Now, bulletin board systems, I, I actually used these when I was a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I would log into them. But a bulletin board system is much more limited than Usenet. Bulletin yes. board system is you would you would. <laughs> 
I remember dialing into them. You would use your modem to dial in a specific phone number. You would log into the bulletin board system, which is hosted on a remote computer. And there you could uh, interact with other users by by posting to a discussion board. Um, you could play games. You could uh, transfer files. You could upload stuff or download stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that you can do on the web now. But it was very limited in that it was only stuff that was on that one computer. It's not like you had access to everything on every bulletin board system. So right. every bulletin board system had its own culture, its own selection of files, its own message boards. Also, it had a very limited number of people that could be logged in at one time. Uh, normally, it had like a, a, a series of lines open, like phone lines open, that could be uh, occupied before it reached capacity. And if you called when it was at capacity, you couldn't get in. You'd have to wait. And uh, which seems weird now. Just imagine if you were to open up your your web browser and you were told, "Sorry, the internet is full." You're gonna have to wait until some people log off before you can access it. But uh, so yeah, it was just it wasn't like a network really. It was you were all using one computer as almost like a node, right? Yes. And you you had a you know it was acting as a server. Your computer was acting as a client, but there was no network. It was just client server. That's it. Uh, like a hub and spoke. Right. System. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The 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 host computer is is uh, right there at the very center, and then you are you and all the other computers are on the edge, connecting in. So well, you would post messages to the hub, and then other people could read them and reply to them. But all the information was there at that one central location. Exactly. Right. And if that one central location went down, then everything was gone. Yep. Until it came back up again. Usenet is different. Usenet is more of a network system. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Truscott and Ellis had come up with this idea of creating a system that would exist across multiple servers. It would all be based on the same protocol. And you would build a essentially a message board, a news group, that where you could post articles about whatever subjects you wanted and have discussions about those subjects. And uh, servers would contact one another and compare essentially their their message boards mm-hmm. and anything that one server was missing the other server would send to it so it could update its own its own database and vice versa so that no matter what happened to any one single server machine you would still be able to access that information because it would exist somewhere on the network assuming that they had synchronized somewhat recently right so uh it also meant that you didn't have all these isolated conversations going on across multiple bulletin board systems. That's what was happening before. Like You might have a a very strong fan community in Los Angeles for Star Trek. Well, let's just stick with Star Trek. And then you have another really strong fan community in, say, in New York City, also about Star Trek. But they wouldn't necessarily be logging into the same bulletin board system, especially Mm -hmm. if they were using dial-up modems, because they don't want to pay long distance to have to connect to it. Right. So their conversations would all be uh, regional. Usenet allowed a global conversation to occur because you're no longer worrying about logging into one specific local computer. Right. So it was 
a revolutionary idea. We take it for granted now because the World Wide Web has been around for a couple of decades. But at the time, it was there was this idea of, hey, we've already got the lines here connecting all these computers, and we've got the protocols that support this kind of data transfer, the whole TCP IP protocols. Mm-hmm. Let's build something on top of this infrastructure that allows us to share information. So uh, it's the same sort of idea that eventually became the World Wide Web. Right. Uh, but in a totally different implementation. Okay, then. So there are literally tens of thousands of Usenet news groups yes. available. And they're still, you know, this, it's still in, in uh, pretty wide use. Um, you know, the, recently I've, I've uh, my most recent exploits on Usenet, um, I've found several uh, communities that are, are basically just spam magnets. Um, but there are still quite a few that are uh, that are very very popular, um, and Usenet actually has a hierarchy to it. Yeah, uh, that hierarchy wasn't always part of Usenet's history. In fact, the, the no. problem was that as more and more information was being added to Usenet, it became difficult to navigate through all of it to see the stuff that's relevant to your own interests. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they needed to come up with a scheme that would allow people to post relevant things in discussions and make it easier to find what you're interested in Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't become an exercise in frustration. Uh, Part of that fell to a group of people that became known as the Backbone Cabal. (laughs) That's really what they were known as. uh, That's very sneaky sounding. uh, Yeah. And some people argued that it was sneaky and that the, the choices they made were not representative of the community as a whole. Something that we see like in the background of wikis all the time now. Yeah. Same sort of problems happen with wikis. Whenever you have a big, wide-open uh, uh, community, then any one group making decisions is going to upset someone in that community because it doesn't represent them, right? Right. So the Cabal decided, all right, well, we need to try and uh, and start um, to organize this in a more efficient way. And that leads up to, in 1987, an event called The, the Great, Great Renaming. Yeah, so in the great renaming, that was when things had come to a head uh, on Usenet. It was getting far too chaotic, and they needed to find a way of creating a hierarchy that made sense. And that's when they started making the uh, the what was initially called the Big Seven. Yes. It was the Big Seven hierarchical, hierarchical groups. So you had things like comp, C-O-M-P, for, for any sort of computer discussion, comp, dot, and then you could put something behind the dot to specify. So you could do like comp, dot, hardware. And mm-hmm. then if you wanted to get more specific, you could do comp, dot, hardware, dot, monitor. So mm-hmm. you would be able to you know break these down into subcategories so that people could have very specific conversations and not have to worry about you know cluttering up one comp thing with every single computer topic known to man. Right. And there were other uh, categories as well. There was uh, you know SCI for science. Um, there was uh, originally there was talk, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be kind of a catch-all category, but it was also monitored. Mm-hmm. This did not sit well with some users because it meant that you couldn't have true free communication, free speech, because someone somewhere was monitoring what was going on and could accept or deny any particular topic, Mm -hmm. Uh, which then led to what has become probably the most famous or perhaps infamous hierarchy in Usenet. 
alt. Alt, which was not part of the cabal. In fact, that was a big, big uh, selling point for the whole alt thing. That's what made it so popular so quickly. It's kind of anything and everything, really. Yeah. Anything goes. Alt dot whatever. Uh, it's... Brian Reed is the guy who kind of spearheaded that project to to create it, and he was one of the people who objected to this idea of the cabal-backed hierarchies, saying that you know if we if we do this, it limits us too much. We need it to be more open than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a place where frank discussions could be held on any topic. Yeah, and, and like Reed's point was that he wanted to open up a uh, a topic under. Rec, R-E-C, which is for recreation, Recreation. uh, dot drugs. He wanted to create a topic for that to have discussion about drugs Mm -hmm. and drug use and was denied. Um, He was not allowed to create a talk dot drugs group either. So uh, he decided to create this alt hierarchy. So, so you know, just circumventing the whole system and creating a new, uh, a new uh, division that has nothing to do with the big seven, mm-hmm. um, and it took off. In fact, it took oh, off yes. so much that it is the largest of the uh, the categories, which is kind of ironic, because alt, of course, stands for alternative. Right. But now so. everything else is the alternative because it's the main thing. <laughs> Kind of like alternative music was in the mid nineties, early yeah, to mid nineties. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, alternative music was the only thing out there. There was no alternative. Yeah, yeah and alternative um, music. <laughs> Grungy. And that's the thing is, if you flannel if, wearing, dirty hippie type, Seattle and the thing. Go ahead. Are you done? I was a punk rocker. You and Sheena. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> I totally lost my yeah, train of thought. Yeah. No, uh, so, uh, You're welcome. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's a good point. You can't just say, you know what, I want to start a discussion topic about my band and right. just go start a group. Uh, not instantaneously. You can put it up for a suggestion. And, uh, and, you know, once people have had a chance to look at it and say, oh, well, you know, I think that would be okay or I don't think that would be okay, you know, it can become a, a group. Um, but, uh, it's, it's not like starting a, a, uh, an internet relay chat channel where you go, you know what, I want to talk about this right now and just go start a channel. Right. You have to actually have it approved, um, by, by the powers that be, which really are kind of decentralized anyway. It's kind of weird, yeah, frankly. It, it, again, I, I think the, the comparison to wikis is fairly apt. Yeah. Because wikis are often maintained by a community of users and, uh, and they often resist any attempts at any single user trying to dictate policy. Yeah. We, we saw that not that long ago, actually with Wikipedia, where, uh, the co-founder Jimmy Wales went to try and delete material from the Wikimedia Commons, uh, collection, mm-hmm. um, in, in, Hoping to head off any problems with with sponsors for Wikimedia, uh, and as a result, because of his op- because he didn't go through the proper procedures and he bypassed the whole community aspect, uh, uh, there was a, a big uh, kerfuffle over at at Wikipedia. Kerfuffle. Yeah, and same sort of thing happened on Usenet all the time, and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. still does probably in some of these uh, in some of these news groups. Yeah, it's um, not like it. It's not really a democracy, um, and the people in charge aren't really completely in charge it's 
you know. It's a it's, it's a little it's very strange. It's a little wild west out there. But uh, you know, I think I think the people who are are really getting the the yay or nay votes are the people who have been established and really entrenched on, in Usenet. Sure. Well, we we mentioned earlier that trolls were one of the. Uh, you know, they kind of emerged from Usenet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the most common trollish tactics on Usenet was to log into any particular discussion forum and then start talking about something that was completely off topic. Right. And you're doing it on purpose. You're doing it specifically to upset people. Or you would log into a discussion group about a particular topic and then start asking inane questions mm-hmm. or start asking legitimate questions and then slowly have them morph into more and more inane questions just to see how far you could push people, how long you could get people to respond to you before they caught on to, that it was all a joke. Right. And uh, trolls, really, the whole purpose was just to, in most cases anyway, um, the purpose was just for their own amusement, to try mm-hmm. and wind people up, see how upset they could get them, or just see if they could play a joke. Not all of them were malicious. Some of them were really just pranks. You know, they're more mischievous than malicious. Mm-hmm. And then there were others where you would get people who were fans of one particular uh, discussion group, and they would get real rivalries with other discussion groups and would actually go in and spam. That's another thing that came out of Usenet, spam. The earliest uh, instances and uh, naming of spam came from that. And uh, people just coming in and and posting ridiculous stuff. Because that's another, you know, if you post enough to Usenet, you start to um, you start to scroll content off of Usenet. Yes, because it only had a limited amount of space to store um, data. And if you went in and posted enough stuff, you could push data off of Usenet, and then people wouldn't be able to access it anymore. Yes. Um, and since people were using Usenet to do things like not just have conversations, but to host files, um, where you could, you know, especially things like. Uh, uh, material that's under copyright, um, th- there's tons of piracy <laughs> that you can find on Usenet of various kinds of uh, materials. Yeah, um, that was one of the things that uh, that struck me as odd because um, I used, most of my Usenet use was way back in the early to mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a few years ago, I heard people starting to talk about uh, Usenet. Actually, one of my favorite software uh, shareware developers came out with a, a brand new Usenet client, and I was thinking, really, people are still using that? And then I realized the correlation between that and my internet service provider putting a cap on the amount of data that you could receive over Usenet. Because I was thinking, since when did Usenet traffic become so, uh, you know, such an issue? And then I then I realized, then I learned about the binaries groups, right? Because you can break down a file into multiple pieces, right, and spread it out over multiple messages, and and the messages are threaded. I, I neglected to mention earlier because that's how you sort of follow the topic is that they're responding to posts, and you can you can thread them together and see. You know, where the conversation has gone. Right. We can also do that with binary files. And that's how, you know, rather than using something uh, such as BitTorrent, for example, people were sharing uh, cracked files or uh, binaries of, of other media yeah. that, uh, you know, so people you- were going on Usenet. It's, and I think it sort of escaped attention simply because Usenet was 
old in terms of the internet. Yeah, you, you know, could you could find stuff like concerns. software, oh, images, yeah. music, that kind of thing. Provided, of course, your ISP isn't blocking those groups, which it it doesn't necessarily. Your your ISP doesn't have to carry access to to Usenet. They could block it, and if they are blocking access to those groups, you may not see them. So yeah, don't write in and go. My ISP doesn't have those. Well, maybe your ISP is blocking. Them. Yeah, there there are ISP, ISPs that would just put anything that falls under alt binary. Yeah, as a you know they block it automatically. Yes. Um, which you know that's that can be frustrating because their Usenet was a way of being able to share legitimate open source software, so it wasn't just stuff that was pirated or you know that that was being illegally shared. There was there were legitimate uses to to uh, to log into alt binaries mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with piracy, no. or stealing intellectual property. Mm-mm. But uh, you know it gets really really hard to separate all of that out. And uh, so most companies, most ISPs, if they're going to block it, would just rather paint with a broad brush than, than to try and have to determine, okay, well, is this is this group all right? And is this group not all right? And why? And, uh, and that's just one part. I mean, the piracy was one part. Pornography is another big, big thing on Usenet. Yes, it is. Or at least it used to be. Um, so uh, you know, there are uh, some com- ISPs that would just block all the the yeah the groups that had anything to do with pornographic content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I in the '90s when I would log into Usenet and look at the different groups, I was kind of shocked at how many were dedicated to that in various forms. Especially when you're like, you know. Obviously, my education doesn't extend as far as these people because I would have sworn that three of these groups are saying the same thing, <laughs> but they're all arguing that it's something unique, and I'm scared to see what they mean. You know, it reminds me of a song. Um, yeah, so maybe we should just drop that part of the subject. So, so earlier I mentioned yes. um, that, in general, you would want to uh, to get a Usenet reader, a, a client, yes. software client, yes. to do this. And, that, and that's generally the way you're, you're going to go to get... Uh, you know more recent postings, but there was uh, a website that used to archive uh, postings from Usenet, and um, and yeah, that's that, as you were mentioning earlier, Jonathan. Also, um, usually the server will basically slough off the old messages as the newer ones come in to yeah. save space. They only sa- save up to a certain point. Um, well, as people were archiving them, there was a website called Dejan News that was keeping track of all this. And if you were looking for something in particular. Um, and it was, you know, from five years ago or something like this. And you know, you saw this posting in this news group, and you didn't save a copy. Um, you might go to Deja News to do this. Well, they were acquired by a larger company, uh, which you may have heard of. Is it Yahoo? No. Is it Apple? No. Is it Facebook? No. Twitter? Uh. Uh-uh. That's got to be Google. Yes. Yes, it became Google Groups, and uh, they uh, Google has has managed to uh, to keep um, Deja News archives up and running under the Google Groups banner, and uh, there is quite a lot of internet history chronicled in the pages of Google Groups. Yeah, they've got a really really fun little uh, um, timeline too. Yeah, where they can tell you little things like. Uh, like in August 1981 on Usenet, there's the first documented review of the IBM PC. Yes, and uh, they have the uh, in 1982 first mention of MTV. 
Yeah, June 1982, uh, actually, it's right after that, the first mention of Star Wars Episode Six. Yeah, that would be uh, Return of the Jedi. Actually, if it's the first mention, I bet then they called it Revenge of the Jedi. They might indeed have. And so, uh, yeah, there are a lot of really cool little firsts in here. Like the <laughs> February 1983, first Me Too post, <laughs> which would become a oh, bane yes. in people's existences of oh, Me Too's. Oh, because, Me Too. Because it doesn't add any. <laughs> Anything of benefit to the discussion. It's just you wanting to. Hey, I've been quiet for a while, and I need to talk now. Me too. Um, and then uh, the most most important post uh, in August 1984, the uh, the first mention of the Commodore Amiga. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. How, <laughs> also, July 1984, first mention of Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. As well before he would become. A, never mind. I'm not going to go there. No, but, but there's but there's tons and tons of of information in there. Um, you could you could basically track. You can even track uh, the the first dot com um, internet company back to uh, when Brad Templeton mentioned uh, Clarinet. Um, yep. Uh, you got like uh, the first mention of AOL, the first mention of The Simpsons. I mean, it's it's kind of neat. Now, granted, this is just a list that Google's compiled. It's not like it's it's comprehensive, but it's just kind of a fun little thing of seeing how uh, you know the development of various technologies, cultural icons, that kind of thing. Um, like I remember there was the introduces Linux. Yeah, Tim Berners-Lee inter- introduces the World Wide Web, which that was you know whatever happened that was, to that? Yeah, it's, it's it's still around. Um, yeah, as it turns out, the World Wide Web would would take a big chunk out of Usenet uh, traffic because a lot of the stuff eventually moved over to the web, um, where you'd be able to find the same kind of discussion groups or uh, not usually in. In the same sort of format of Usenet, I mean, Usenet was a catch-all, right? Yeah, like it was, was. It was a, t- a an enormous place to have discussions where you could discuss practically anything. You could probably find a topic for whatever it was you wanted to discuss somewhere on Usenet, and you um, still probably can. Right. Uh, but, you might have to do a little picking and choosing on uh, on the different groups, and but it may it's not, not be hard. that there are that many people discussing it these days. And on the on the World Wide Web now, of course, you'll find niche websites that that might cover. A, a small sliver of what you might see on Usenet, um, but, but, but but you know it's still there's still some of that hanging around the web. You know, it, it actually kind of in a way reminds me of what it, an RSS aggregator does, because rather than going to a niche website to have a discussion with people uh, about different topics, all kinds of different topics that you were interested in, you'd have to go individually to those websites. You could, uh, if people were still using it like they used to, go to Usenet, check your reader, and see the 10 groups that you're really passionate about in one place, and then go through the messages for each one, make replies and things like that, and make you know, yeah, it's comments. kind of a, a predecessor to RSS readers. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it just struck me how similar those those were when you mentioned the, the niche websites, but mm-hmm. it, it does have that advantage, and it does have a, sort of a community feel to it, um, where didn't used to. Why you have a strange look? On I head. just saw another thing on on the the date list that made me smile. Oh, okay, what's that? July nineteen ninety two. Terry Pratchett's first post on alt.fan.pratchett. Ah, yes. So we were talking about that on uh, the IRC podcast. If you know, and if you want to go back and listen to that, or wait until it publishes, whichever we don't know. 
That's funny. We referred in each of these to the other one, so one of them is going to have an Easter egg in it's it. It's kind of recursive. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. You'll get caught in a vicious cycle. But yeah. it's, it, it was a, it's really uh, formative in the, in the way that it sort of transitioned people from bulletin boards to the Internet culture. Yeah, yeah creating the whole, the whole platform for a global conversation about various topics, which, yeah. you know, the, the web has kind of <clears throat> taken that torch and, and has run with it, ran with it. But, uh, yeah. It's it's you know Usenet is where you see the 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 seeds of that. Mm, so uh, seeds, yeah, definitely an important part of the development of the internet and internet culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were saying before with the whole trolls and the 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 spam. I mean, other things really got started on Usenet that have become very popular on online. Things like emoticons. Oh yes. Um, not necessarily started on Usenet, but they became popular there. And mm-hmm. and some of the. Uh, the various acronyms like BRB for Be Right Back and uh, AFK for Away From Keyboard. You would even, you know, occasionally people would get into discussions where it was happening about as close to real time as you could manage on Usenet. I mean, it's not like it was instantaneous. It wasn't like a chat program. But people would still do that where they would post a message and be like, you know what, I'm going to check back in half an hour and see if if, uh, if Bob has responded to this because he was just on and I've just responded to his message. Right. So, neat stuff. Indeed. We'll have to talk about some other really uh, important various protocols, programs, things like that, that have been uh, part of Internet history that we maybe don't think about that often, but are still, you know, instrumental in in where we are now. Yeah, why not? Yeah, because that's kind of what we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you guys have anything you would like us to talk about specifically, you can email us. Our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Until then, Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.